0: that God's kingdom will be set up and that it would endure everlasting, eternal and that it will be greater than any worldly kingdom. And when I think of the word eternal and the word forever, um, in my mind at least, I find it easy to think of the future, of what will be. We uh, learn in Revelation about the new heaven and the new earth which Jesus will set up on his return. In Revelation 15 it says, The voices in heaven proclaim... The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And it talks of a great multitude of people from every nation and language and and culture coming together and crying out, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is the people of God. People and the God's kingship, the kingdom of God, in heaven forevermore. And yes, that is the kingdom of God, but there's more to it than that as well. Yes, our heavenly future is a huge part of being in God's kingdom, but kingdom life is more than just what will be, it is what is today. It's more than just the future, new earth the new heaven, kingdom life is here and now. Christ died and rose again to deal with all our sin. Once and for all, so even now, whilst we live in a broken world, our everlasting life with him has begun, and we can live as part of God's kingdom today, through living out God's will in the world. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is God's kingdom on earth. Living out his will as saved sinners in this world. God's will done on earth by his people. That is God's kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. So as those who trust in Christ, although we do live in this the earth, in the world today, we belong to something different. We belong to the kingdom of God today. And living in the kingdom today is truly living. Jesus said that he came That they may have life and have life to the full. Living in God's kingdom today is knowing God's peace. It's knowing God's joy. Knowing God's hope in our lives today. Living out His will. Knowing the Father and the King. So yes, the kingdom of God is the future. It's that great and exciting um, multitude in heaven which we will one day be part of. Which just sounds amazing, but it's also today, living in the world, living out God's will to save sinners sins today. That is the kingdom of God. And so we can see how important these kingdom parables were. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, particularly in these parables, but, but to all God's people, many of whom would have had these preconceived ideas about what the kingdom would be like, and many of whom wouldn't have had a clue. They wouldn't have known at all what the kingdom of God was or was going to be like. And Jesus was going to send out his disciples to the whole world to proclaim this kingdom of God. So he had to explain it clearly to them. He had to help them to understand. He had to correct the mistakes they had. I suppose you could say it's a little bit like um, sending out a, a salesman to promote a product. If you send out, a, if you want someone to sell a product well, <laughs> if you want someone to um, sell a product well, you need to make sure they have a clear understanding of it they're going to face questions like, how much will it cost? Um, How good will it be? How will it compare to this and that? And 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 etc. So when Jesus was explaining to his disciples what the kingdom of God was to be like, he was setting them up so they could go and tell other people they needed to know. They needed to be sure of what they were going to explain to others. They needed a sound understanding of what they were proclaiming. So that's why Jesus used the kingdom parables, like the ones we're going to look at today, but also other And we need to understand about the kingdom too. As followers of Christ, as we've discussed, we belong to the kingdom of God. So isn't it important that we understand about the kingdom which we belong to? And also, in the the disciples, we are sent out to proclaim that kingdom to others. So we need to understand it too. So let's return to the parables we looked at today. Um, The first one being in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now in Jesus' time, it was quite common for people to hide coins or jewels or family heirlooms, all sorts of precious things, in jars, maybe a little bit like this one, probably a little bit bigger, and bury them underground so they were hidden. Remember, in this time, there was no no (coughs) no suits, not really, or locks or padlocks or anything like that. And if you couldn't afford guards... Perhaps burying something in the ground in, a, in the middle of a field where only you know where it was it was probably the only way to keep it safe from other people. And stories of discovering hidden treasures like this were a common theme in popular stories of the day. So Jesus was taking this, this theme and this exciting idea that people could relate to and using it to explain something of his kingdom. So here we have a man walking through a field, a bit like this picture, perhaps. We don't, we're not told why he was walking in this field, because he doesn't own it. Um, but perhaps he was renting the field, or, or working in it, or ploughing it, or something like that. And suddenly he finds this hidden treasure. This treasure that was hidden away deep buried beneath the ground, which he didn't expect to find. Realising just how valuable this treasure is, he quickly hides it again, buries it back where it was, goes away, mm-hmm. sells everything he has. Comes back to buy the whole field so that he can obtain that treasure. And then we read on in verse 45 and 46. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, pearls were especially valuable and in the ancient world in Jesus' time. Um, you couldn't go out onto the internet Like you can today And search for pearl necklaces and jewellery And get one a bit like this maybe um, At quite an affordable price um, Really in Jesus' time Pearls were rare, they were the rarest thing um, Pearl merchants would search Across the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean And then the Persian Gulf And they would scour the seas for these oysters And only some of these oysters Would have pearls within them And only some of the pearls would be the correct size And shape to be valued they were not the sort of thing that every person had. Only the very wealthy would have a pearl. So here we have a merchant, probably quite a wealthy man by the fact that he was um, buying and selling pearls. And he's looking for fine pearls, not just any old pearl, but the best quality pearls. And eventually he finds this pearl, which is of great value, so valuable that again he goes away, sells everything he has, and comes back to obtain. So the disciples are sitting and listening intently to Jesus as he tells them these stories which they can relate to. And as he talks, a look of, of surprise and confusion appears on their faces, as no doubt he said they would have preconceived ideas about what the kingdom was like. As Jesus explains these parables, these kingdom parables, there are truths which are not what the disciples were expecting at all. Firstly, the kingdom would be available to all people. Both the poor, like the man searching through the field and and finding the hidden treasure, but also the more esteemed, like the pearl merchant, the wealthy. But not only that, the kingdom is available both to those who were diligently searching for it, the pearl merchant searching for the finest pearls, but also to those who just happened to step across it and find it. Those who perhaps were apathetic to God who didn't have any idea about God before and then they find this treasure this kingdom of God and they're welcomed into it the kingdom is available to all and that's not necessarily what the disciples were expecting then in the parable of the hidden treasure which we've just gone through the kingdom is described as I say as hidden Now, the disciples would have been expecting this kingdom to have been obvious to everyone, at least to all of the people of Israel at the time when it comes, everyone would see it and recognize it and know its value. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way. Not everyone would recognize it. Yes, there would be those who would find it and embrace it and recognize its value. But some would just step and walk straight past it, oblivious to its value. And in an earlier parable, um, which we haven't read this morning, but describes something of the kingdom. Jesus described the kingdom as like a must seed. Now the disciples were expecting this kingdom to come in all its magnificence immediately, and as I say, be obvious to all. But Jesus said, no. The kingdom will appear humbly, like a small mustard seed, before growing into something magnificent. But then on their faces, there's this change of look from confusion and surprise to awe as the disciples realize the extent of what Jesus is saying in these parables, in these simple stories. The crux of the teaching here, the thing that Jesus really wants them to understand, that this kingdom, this kingdom which will come humbly like a mustard seed, this kingdom which will be available to all, but hidden to many, this kingdom is the most valuable thing in the whole world. Jesus shows us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, which is infinitely more valuable than anything in the world, like a priceless pearl, and that belonging to this kingdom it's the most important thing in the whole of life. The thing which once found further searching is futile and pointless, because nothing can compare to it. Being in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, in a loving relationship with the Saviour of the world. Jesus explaining that Christ is all that we need. Now, as you've heard and, and watching the video, and I'm really glad you've see that video, uh, this week would have been a holiday club. We've been treasure seekers. Um, and unfortunately, I've got a picture with the kids in, but you can see just the craziness going on with the leaders, how much fun we had. Um, yeah, we were working with these children to look at how Jesus is our treasure. On Monday, we talked about how the, the fact was Jesus is treasure. And we talked about the story of the parable which we talked talk about today. On Tuesday, we talked about Jesus is a gift. And how his love cannot be earned by anyone. We talked about the story where the disciples were arguing amongst themselves as to who would be loved most by God. And Jesus said, no, my love is a gift to you. On Wednesday we talked about how Jesus is a friend. And how he's only the best friend that we can have. A friend worth following. On Thursday, how Jesus is enough. Enough for us all. No matter what struggles we're going through or difficulties. That Jesus is all we need and on Friday about how Jesus is a forgiver, that there's nothing that we can do that he cannot forgive, and that will, that will stop him from loving us. But ultimately, the theme throughout the week was that Jesus is the most special treasure, and worth seeking more than anything else, the greatest thing in our lives. About two weeks ago, I was uh, doing a little bit of kids' work in, at the Keswick Convention, which I'm sure many of you have heard of, and I had a, an encounter which really reminded me and humbled me humbly reminded me of this truth. I was chatting with a, a little girl, and she must have been about 10 years old, called Eleanor. And we were in one of the uh, evening sessions where we'd just done some teaching, and we were playing some crazy, stupid games, and having a lot of fun. And she came up to me, and she was asking me some questions, um, which, I'll be honest, I find quite challenging to answer. And we were discussing the fact of how God forgives everything we've done, and everything we do today, and everything we will do. And How there's nothing we can do that will separate us from His love. And during that discussion, there was this moment when her face lit up, and something had clicked in her understanding. Something that she'd been taught that week clicked, and she said, "That means that knowing Jesus is the best thing." And I was in absolute awe. Oh, I took a step back, and I couldn't believe it at how God's power had been at work in her, so that she, even at so young, she grasped something that amazing truth, which this parable sums up. A glimpse of what Jesus meant when he said that to enter the kingdom of God, you must have faith like children. That amidst all the complexity of the world, everything going on, she had glimpsed and grasped the fact that knowing Jesus and being part of his kingdom is the best thing, the most meaningful and valuable thing in life. And with this awesome truth that being part of God's kingdom, living that daily life God is the most infinitely valuable thing that we, as God's people, can have. We come to the other side of the coin as we realise that there's a second truth that Jesus was explained to his disciples through this parable. That with recognising the infinite value of the kingdom of God comes the cost of discipleship. You see, what makes the men in these parables so remarkable and so different is that when they find the valuable treasure and when they find the infinitely valuable priceless pearl. They don't just try to get them for as cheap as they can. There's no Jesus doesn't talk about any bartering going on, and no, the pearl merchant isn't trying to, to wheel his way into getting that pearl for as little as he can. And the man with the treasure doesn't seem to try and get by the field for as cheap as possible. No no. Both men recognize that something so valuable is worth that all a person has, more. And they risk everything. And sold all that they owned that they might obtain it. They had a change of life and attitude, and they gave everything for the treasure. So when we discover the infinite value of being part of God's kingdom, we have a choice to make, like the man in the field and like the pearl merchant. We can see this treasure of infinite value, and we can decide to ignore it and continue our lives as we once did. Or we can see that God's kingdom. Full of peace and love and forgiveness and freedom and hope. And we can want that more than anything else. Now, Jesus isn't saying here that we need to go away and sell everything we have. Or that there's a fee to enter the kingdom of heaven because that fee is more expensive than we can imagine, but it was paid through Christ's blood for us. We can't earn belonging to the kingdom and we don't have to go away and give up everything we owe. But the truth is, <laughs> that we should be willing to. To be part of that kingdom, we should be willing to give up everything for God's kingdom. Jesus was showing his disciples that nothing compares in value to the new life of being part of God's kingdom. And we should be ready to sacrifice all our possessions, our relationships, our dreams and plans, everything to be part of it. It's quite an inspiring response, I think you'll agree, of total abandon and complete surrender Living out this verse which Jesus says in Matthew Matthew chapter 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. I don't know about you, but when I hear of such sacrifice, I get quite an uncomfortable feeling within me. Wondering whether I would ever be willing to do that, or whether I'm willing to give up everything for Jesus, to be part of God's kingdom. And it reminds me a lot of the story of the rich man, Um, which we read about in Matthew, I'm sure you may be familiar with, but I'll read through it um, to recap that, that story. It's in Mark 10. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, that he had many. I wonder, what is the kingdom worth to us? Whether we've been a follower of Christ for many years, or whether we are new to to faith in Jesus, do we truly seek first the kingdom of heaven? With so many things tugging to take priority in our lives. Can we honestly say that we are willing to give up everything for our relationship with Jesus? Jesus says that we need to see the true value of the kingdom, and be ready to give up everything for it. Now it's important to remember here that Jesus wasn't saying this to his disciples or to us to make them feel bad about themselves because no doubt they have that same uncomfortable feeling which sometimes we feel when we hear such sacrifice and such abandon. And he wasn't saying this to make them go away and think, oh, I can't, I can't do that. No, he's calling them to a new way of living to show them that no matter what we value in life, we, no, what, no matter what value we give to things, whatever they may be, none of it compares to life within. So in the journey of life, full of ups and downs, we're called each day to surrender all to Jesus. And we don't get this right all the time. We're human. We make mistakes. We, of course, we make mistakes of letting other things take priority. But let's remember that every day we have a new start, a new opportunity to recognise the value of God's kingdom and be willing to abandon all to be part of it. So what can help us? in this effort to be willing to give up everything for God's kingdom. Because it's certainly easier said than done, isn't it? Well, I want to return to the parable one last time. The the first parable, verse 44. And notice the man's response in finding the hidden treasure, which enables him to give up everything for it. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. In his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. You see, as the man recognizes the infinite value of the kingdom, he's overwhelmed with joy. He's overwhelmed with gladness and hope and happiness. And because of that, he sets up and gives up everything he has. Giving up everything wasn't a burden for him. It wasn't something which he was tugging and tugging at him, thinking, oh, should I give up everything now? He was so overwhelmed with joy. And that was his motivation. There's a quote by a man named William Hendrickson about this parable, which I thought sums up this point quite well. It says, the point of this parable is that the kingdom of heaven, the glad recognition of God's rule over hearts and life, is a treasure so inestimably precious that one who obtains it is willing to surrender for it whatever could interfere with having it. It It is a supreme treasure because it fully satisfies the needs of the heart. This is the one needful thing. This is the one thing that satisfies the one thing that we need and nothing else matches up to it. When we recognise the joy of knowing Jesus and being in his kingdom Giving up all we have no longer becomes a burden. But suddenly it's insignificant. Paul, the Apostle Paul reflects this in his life. And we read about it in Philippians 3, it says, What is more, I consider everything a loss, because of the surpassing worth of Mary Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake i lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain in Christ. You see, Paul feels great joy. Finding the infinitely valuable kingdom. Being in that relationship with Jesus. And this motivates him to give up everything and be willing to give up everything for it. So can I encourage us that being willing to give up all for Christ can feel scary. And it can feel at times impossible. But let's remind ourselves of what Jesus was teaching here. It becomes possible when we recognise that being part of God's kingdom is the greatest thing. The greatest thing in life, the, the thing which once we find nothing, further searching is pointless. And when we sense the joy of knowing Jesus as our saviour and friend, giving up everything is no longer a burden, but becomes possible. That willingness to surrender everything for God. So as we come to the end of looking at these very short parables, let's just remind ourselves of what Jesus was teaching Jesus wanted his disciples and us to know that being part of the kingdom of God, a daily life with Jesus, living, truly living, in this world, but part separate from it, that being part of God's kingdom is the most valuable thing in life, and that through our joy at this we'll be willing to give up everything for it. In a moment, um, we're going to be singing the well-known hymn, Be Thou My Vision, But first, I just want to read some of the lyrics out to you, um, because having read through them myself, I was really uh, reading some of the words and thinking about what we thought about this morning gave them new refreshment and new meaning to me. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, naught be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou, mine inheritance, now and always. Thou, thou only, first in my heart, high King of heaven. My treasure, thou art. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you that you are our treasure.